Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's September 1st. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. When we last spoke with Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy, the trade deadline was approaching, and we wondered if the Royals would be buyers or sellers. Turns out they had a little seller in them. They moved closer Trevor Rosenthal to the San Diego Padres, one of the many moves made by that NL West team. In return, the Royals got an athletic outfielder in Edward Olivares. It was the second deal made by the Royals before the deadline. Earlier, they had traded outfielder Brett Phillips to the Tampa Bay Rays. So even with the team playing competitively, as evidenced by Monday night's 2-1 victory over the Indians, the Royals traded a player they wouldn't have had the team been in a better position in the playoff race. Lynn and I talk about where the Royals are the rest of the way, and we spend some time discussing Greg Holland, who collected the save in Monday's victory and probably will be the first call as a closer in the final month of the season. After a break, you'll hear from Holland, who met with reporters after Monday's game. So here we go with Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy. Hey, Lynn, how you doing today? Doing all right. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. So uh, we're recording this uh, before 11 a.m. on Tuesday, and within the hour, the Royals have made some news. Uh, they have banged FanFest for next year, and that's baseball parlance for canceling. Uh, so, um, so no fan fest next January. They, they, um, it's the, maybe the, the first sporting event and yeah, I say it's a sporting event. It's actually not a sporting event, but an event involving sports that's been postponed for 2021, at least around here. It's, it's kind of a big deal. Um, fan fest, it's you know, thousands of Royals fans converge all the, it's kind of the first time all the players are together. And the uh, and and the manager for you know for be, before spring training begins, so that's kind of a l- little bit of a loss, isn't it? Yeah, and it's one of those moments where you know they usually try to plan for you know introduce a new signing or you know somebody coming back. I mean, you look at this past year, and that was where they made it official that you know Gordo was going to come back for another year, Alex Gordon. Um, right. and this year they also had that. That was when they had the um, you know Salvador Perez officially took his uh, vows of citizenship, and they did that at Fan Fest. So, um, and it's usually you know I'm trying to think the year before. Uh, I think uh, new additions. Um, I think Chris Owings. I'm trying to remember if Billy Hamilton. I don't think Billy Hamilton was there the year before, just because I think he had some troubles getting in. But usually that's you know if you make an addition, somebody you know either right after the winter meetings or something like that, you're going to roll them out of FanFest, introduce them to the fans and the media, that sort of thing. Um, and your first, you know, I mean, first in-person chance since the winter meetings, which this year I don't think there's really going to be any sort of formal at winter meetings, um, but it would be your first chance to have time with the GM and the the manager and everybody to sort of talk about the upcoming season. Right. The Royals did announce that, they have scheduled the Fan Fest for 2022. They released those dates, January 28 and 29, but uh, but no Fan Fest for 2021. Which this past this past January was um, the the week of the Super Bowl, as I recall. It was the week you know the heading into the week of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was on February 3rd, so you got Fan Fest one weekend, and then uh, and then off to Miami to to watch the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I also remember a couple of years ago they brought Bo Jackson back, and uh, and what a he attracted a huge crowd at Fan Fest. It was one of his first 
Kansas City appearances since uh, that I can remember. I mean, since leaving the Royals, and was uh, just a wonderful uh, moment. And uh, and to see him, the fans remembered him warmly, and uh, received. And it was just a great uh, a great moment. And so nothing like that for for fans this year. But there is baseball to talk about, and. Let's, um, you know, Lynn, when we, you and I talked last, we were wondering about trade possible trades because the, dra- the the trade deadline was approaching, and we, you know, we, we talked about Trevor Rosenthal among other players. Not sure what was going to happen. Turns out something happened uh, pretty soon after we talked. Dealt to the San Diego Padres, who are making a ton of deals these days um, to try to get a playoff spot. What? What's the bottom line on the on the Trevor Rosenthal trade to San Diego and the return? And um, was it was it a signal that, um, that you know by by de- dealing their closer that the Royals are are looking ahead more to the future than than a playoff spot this year? It 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 definitely means that they they thought a playoff spot this year was more unlikely than likely. And that they felt like they needed to get something for Rosenthal because if they they thought that they had a you know uh, and then they're not going to say that they're out of it this year but if they thought they were like right in the middle of it they they had a real shot and you know didn't have to climb over so many teams um, then they might have kept kept him might have held on to him and and used him to try and you know make the run that they thought they had uh, uh, in mind but the fact that you know they had as many teams in the main they sort of came out and said it and said you know if if they had a couple of months left, then maybe he's looking at it differently. But with one month left, um, you know, it, it was a lot of teams to try and climb over. And it turned into, well, you had a player that um, you thought you had a, a, a young player who was athletic, who could could fit with the team that you have, um, or at least with the team that you have coming up through the minors. And um, you had to sort of make that move and say, all right, we'll add this guy as opposed to holding on to Rosenthal in a season that you don't think you can necessarily make a run, and then you run the risk of losing him for nothing in the offseason. So uh, Rosenthal had um, th- 329 ERA, 21Ks in 13 and two-thirds innings this year, really had reestablished himself it, you know, or was on the way to reestablishing himself after you know being one of a dominant closer with the Cardinals and then um, – comes back to his hometown right and in Kansas City and has does a really nice job playing for a manager that uh, uh, that, that that coached him in, in St. Louis and uh, uh, expressed all the you know all the kind of warm feelings about being you know Lee Summit guy being back in Kansas City and also uh, one thing that I I noticed in the aftermath of the trade was you know, not ruling out the possibility of him returning to Kansas City and playing for Mike Matheny again someday. Is that you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, he's a you know he's a Scott Boris client, and so Boris has that reputation of getting the most for his guys when it comes to free agency and not really necessarily taking a whole lot of discounts. But at the same time, you know, before he was traded, Rosenthal was pretty adamant that he wanted to be in Kansas City and that he thought this team had a um, a chance to make a run. Um, when he signed originally on the minor league deal, um, he talked about his relationship with Mike Matheny being a big part of the reason that he wanted to come to Kansas City. And then, um, you know, as we found out, Alex Gordon actually um, said that they they made made it known to him, you know, as they sent him off because I guess they found out shortly before the game that uh, on Saturday that he was going to get traded and they, you know, 
basically let him know that they wanted him back and that, uh, that you know, they gave him a, a, a warm send-off, even though he was the guy who was only there for, you know, less than a full season and less than, I mean, not even a shortened season. He was, you know, there for a few months actually in the clubhouse, if you take out the hiatus there. Um, but, yeah, they made it known that they want him back, and uh, it sounded like he was at least receptive to that, you know, um, to the other players. So um, it was also sort of interesting was – uh, that Gordon was re- relaying this and saying that we want him back next year, which, you know, and I think Gordon, but I know Gordon, you know, I've written that that Gordon said that he's, you know, hoping to play a couple more years, but he wasn't saying, you know, they want him back or hopefully he comes back. He said, we want him back next year, which is also kind of interesting. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, tell us a little bit about Edward Olivares. Am I pronouncing that right? Um, who the, 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 the Royals got in exchange for Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, yeah, he's an outfielder, uh, right-handed hitting outfielder, which um, Dayton mentioned specifically because if you look at some of the guys the Royals have in the upper levels of the minors or uh, some of the guys who are right on the cusp of the major leagues, I mean, whether that's Nick Heath, who's left-handed, um, Khalil Lee, one of the top prospects, left-handed, um, Kyle Isbell, one of the guys who looked really uh, good during spring training and spring training, uh, spring training 2.0, another left-handed guy. Um, so he's... A little bit, he gives you a, a little bit of a different look in the, that he's a right-handed guy. Um, he has been, he has played in the major leagues a little bit. He's 24, um, and he's one of the, another one of those guys who sort of fits their mold as far as a speed guy, a really good athlete. Uh, he was in that Texas league along with um, you know Khalil Lee and Heath last year, and he ranked behind the two of them as far as stolen bases because Heath and, and Lee were one and two, and then uh, he was third. Um, and uh, Rusty Koontz um, apparently saw him last year and had high praise for him. Thought he was a, a guy that you know, if if they were going to make a deal with San Diego, he, he mentioned him specifically apparently to to Dayton to the front office as a guy that they should look to acquire in that deal. Well, well, and how about you know that was just the beginning of the of the work for the Padres. They they were they went nuts uh, this. In this um, run up to the trade deadline, uh, with uh, capping it with uh, acquiring Mike Clevenger from from Cleveland, that's you know they they must have picked up you know seven eight nine players in the you know at the trade at, at the trade deadline, and you know, this is for a team that's still chasing the Dodgers in the in the NL West, but you know and who knows what it's going to do to team chemistry. But anyway, I think the Padres certainly have put their you know, but there were chips in the in the center of the table on um, on, on on this season. So you know, in an expanded playoff season too. I don't I don't know if they needed to do all this to make the playoffs, but they I think it looks like they they at least decided among themselves that they had to do this to maybe have some success in the playoffs. Yeah, it looks more like it's a not just a making the playoffs because I mean, with the eight teams, they it seemed like they were in a position to make the playoffs. It's more about at least it seemed more about advancing in the playoffs and trying to make a run and trying to, you know, potentially a second round matchup with somebody like the Dodgers and, you know, have, have a chance to win something like that. You got to, they felt like they need to add some, you know, add some arms, had some depth, add some depth, add, you know, somebody at the back end of the bullpen because I think they had some injuries there. Um, and they, they actually did it without, uh, I believe the top five prospects were still intact. So with all the trades and deals they made, um, they didn't trade from that top five group of prospects and, and all that wheeling and dealing. Okay, so it, you know, obviously the Royals lose a their closer and guy who in, in Trevor Rosenthal who has performed really well for him this year. That returned to that role, Greg Holland, at least for 
for, for one night. And boy, did he get the job done on Monday night against the Cleveland Indians. The Royals had returned home to open a homestand against the, the Indians. It's the Indians and White Sox portion of the schedule now, as opposed to the Twins and Reds that we, we, got, we saw a little while ago. Really nice win for the Royals on, on Monday night. Holland closed it out. Is he going to keep that role for the rest of the year, or uh, might we see a sort of a closer by committee? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer by committee, but it sounds like it's going to be a day-to-day proposition for Matheny with uh, with the bullpen. And they've got a lot of guys that are, um, you know, they, there's been some guys they've been careful with how they used them. Like Zimmer was a guy that they tried to make sure they put him in certain situations. You know, he's had that injury history and, and sort of last year had some command issues. So they they were really trying to make sure they put him in spots where he could have some success, excuse me, some success early on. Um, but I think they're starting to, you know, takes some of the gloves off there. Um, and then you've got some guys like Jesse Hahn, who, you know, he's coming off of that elbow surgery that he missed a whole lot of time. And then he got a little bit of time last year. And then he missed time this spring training. He had a whole lot of things going on away from the field. He had the, you know, the death of his mother. He had, um, you know, his, his wife gave birth to a child. So he was gone. He was in and out and gone for the start of the season after a spring training. And, and we know the pitchers are, you know, that's the big concern this year is just with the, the starts and stops, the pitching schedule and getting the arms ready and keeping pitchers healthy has been a big deal around baseball. You see all the injuries for pitchers this year. Um, so they've they've had a lot of guys in, on top of just the workload. I mean, I think um, Scott Barlow pitched in his 20th game last night. Um, so they've, they're trying to, you know, not run guys into the ground and try to, um, you know, uh, try to put guys in situations that they – where they're, they're not going to, you know, sort of uh, overload them. But at the same time, now it's um, they're trying to mix and match because you don't have uh, the the horse at the end with Rosenthal. Um, Ian Kennedy went on the IL after, you know, having pitched in some high leverage situations and had some up and down results there. But now he's not in the mix at all. So uh, I think they'll be moving some guys around. But Holly will definitely be the guy that he's going to count on and lean on in big situations. Um, and you know, last night, obviously, they, they called on him in, in a one-run game in the ninth inning, you know, after they come back to get two in the eighth, and, and Holly uh, closed it out on the day when you weren't sure Holly was going to be there at the end of the day, considering the trade deadline talk. Right, right. You, we mentioned that last week, that, that Holland was, um, uh, was, was a candidate to be moved, and, and I think you reported that there, there was some interest in Greg Holland. Yeah, that's that's what the talk was that there was you know and um and the the thing that i always wondered was if you couldn't get something that you, if you couldn't get somebody you thought was going to be contributing to your major league club whether you bothered to move them because i mean rosenthal was clearly the the top um top chip that you had and they got a, a prospect a guy who was you know right on the cusp of the big leagues got some time in the big leagues this year and then a player to be named which is probably a lower level prospect um, but if you couldn't get a guy that you thought was going to, you know, contribute, I had a pretty good chance to contribute to the big league roster at some point. If he was just a fringe type guy, then maybe it's not worth it to, to trade Holland because, again, you're weakening your bullpen. And Holland, from everything you hear from, you know, whether it's Matheny or from the other guys in the bullpen, he's been a guy that has helped a lot of those young guys they've got down there. I mean, you talk about Zimmer, Stamont, um, Zuber, guys who are all within their first two years in the majors. Uh, Greg Holland is sort of, you know, 
like an extra, not, I mean, even more than a coach, he's, um, you know, a guy for them to emulate and to watch and to see how things are done. The guy who's been in different roles, who's been in um, big spots, who's pitched in the biggest games. So um, if you're going to get somebody fringe or, you know, have Holland down there and have that presence and maybe be able to win some games down the stretch, maybe it's not worth it to get that fringe guy. Right, right. The Royals had been 0-18 in their last, uh, you know, after um... – uh, but trailing after seven innings, they they won a game after trailing after seven innings for the first time since September of 2019. Had lost their last 18 uh, games in that situation. So, scoring two in the eighth, base hits by Bubba Starling, uh, Mikel Franco, and Bubba Starling, and got him, uh, you know, got him uh, over the hump against a good Cleveland Indians team. So, yeah, Bubba, yeah. Bubba, just you know, having his first hit since August 4th. How about that? Too? <laughs> it was, it was sort of funny. Cause I think um, it was mentioned by uh, Jeffrey Flanagan from MLB.com mentioned it in the post game to Bubba. And we, we were joking about it afterwards. Cause Bubba, I think he heard August 4th and then just started laughing a little bit. And he had to have him repeat the question. Cause I think <laughs> once he, once he realized, like, wait a minute, what <laughs> did he repeat that question? Yeah, that can't I think, be right. yeah, I mean, and I mean, he, he knew he clearly knew that he hadn't had an at bat in a week because he'd been in the games, defensive replacement and uh, pinch runner and that sort of thing. But it'd been August twenty third since his last AB because I looked it up and I think he mentioned while we were talking to him after the game that it'd been you know seven or eight days. So so clearly he knew that he hadn't had an at bat in the game in more than a week. But I don't think he knew the hit part. <laughs> or at least he, yeah. he, it startled him when he when he heard it. <laughs> But he did a good job, too. After, yeah. He did. He was down 0-2 in that count and had taken two strikes that I thought were pretty hittable pitches and um, battled back, I think, to 2-2 and then got the, the base hit up the middle. So a really nice at bat and a good moment for for Bubba Starling. Also, um, so the Royals are going to go with six, six-man rotation the rest of the way? Uh, it's not clear if it's going to be the rest of the way, but at least for now because they're in the – they still have – uh, was it about two straight weeks of games here with no off days? So at least through yeah, that stretch, yeah. at least that's the plan. Because um, right now, because you had um, Jacob Junis was on the IL when Matt Harvey first went into the rotation. Now Junis is off the IL, and for the time being, they're going to go out with the six. Um, so you've got the two rookies, uh, Singer and Bubich. You've got Junis and Harvey, and of course Keller and Duffy. So you've got those six that they're going to um, – not in that order, but, yeah, you've got those six that uh, that they'll be rolling out at least for the time being. Okay. Yeah, Keller was terrific last night and won't pitch again until Sunday against, uh, against the White Sox. So, all right, Lynn, great catching up with you, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners – unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, Holly, uh, I know you're not an overly sentimental guy, but that's your first save as a Royal here in almost five years. Um, 
any <laughs> special feeling about that other than it gets you a W tonight? Uh, no, not really. Um, for me, right now, I've, I feel like the last two, three weeks, we've really played a lot of games where I feel like we've should have won them and, and haven't. And we've just been grinding. We've stayed optimistic about it. And it's rewarding to see us uh, come together there in the eighth and get some guys on and get some clutch hits um, and kind of, you know, I get that sense that at any moment we're going to catch catch some fire and, and build off that momentum. What was the key in the ninth there? Uh, obviously, Naquin had that long at bat and you kept battling him. And uh, was, that the, that, was that the important turning point there? Well, the turning point for me was the double. Uh, but, you know, it's just a it's just a mistake pitch. Fortunately, it stayed in the yard. I, I hate giving up. Um, obviously, anybody doesn't like giving up doubles, but especially when you're ahead in the count and, you know, there's a guy with power who can tie the game in one swing and you, you make a mistake there. But um, we kind of worked through it. Uh, you know, with Naquin, I don't know how much history I have with him, so I'm just trying at that point go go with my strengths, make him hit a tough pitch. Um and then I, I had even even less idea of uh, the guy who hit next. I'm, I'm forgetting his name for some reason, Naylor. but Naylor. Um, but it's just one of those things where you get a quick scouting report, and you got to trust your own stuff. And and you know our defenses can run stuff down out there, so we just kind of go with it and, and just keep making pitches there. With uh, with Rosie gone now, how much responsibility do you feel to, to step in and be even more maybe of a leader than you were uh, back in spring training? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do know the benefit of having a veteran presence around. I You know, I've said for a long time that uh, I learned a lot from uh, Soria my first few years when he was here and then Jonathan Broxton. Um, but, you know, it, it's not just sitting down and someone dropping a world of knowledge on you. I, I think it's um, being reliable, uh, being somebody that can be trusted. And, and I just kind of would set back, see their process, see their demeanor, see their routine. And you pick up stuff here and there when you can, but you do that with all players. And I think uh, I think it's a good, really good mix of talent we have down there right now. And I think everyone's kind of hitting their stride. Um, and we've we've pitched as a, as a bullpen really, really well, uh, you know, aside from one or two innings here or there. Um, and it's uh, – you know, hopefully it'll translate into more wins and not here coming down the stretch. Hey, Holly, you, you were talking about just sort of the impact a veteran can have. I wondered um, today at all, was there, uh, did you have any sense of whether or not, you know, like this, but the deadline that something might happen with you? I mean, was that something you had talked with uh, Dayton about or did you just sort of um, try to not think about any of that? Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I just try to play the game. Um, you know, I thinking about pending free agency has never done me any good. Thinking about tomorrow or the next hitter's never really done me any good. I just got to stay in the moment and keep competing. Um, and it is what it is, you know. I, um, I think any player who someone wants, I think that says a lot about the player. It means they're, you know, they're bringing something to the table. Um, you know, this uh, at the same same token, I can't really control that. Um, I just got to go out there and pitch, and it's it's nice to be wanted if I was, but um, I'm really happy that I'm here, and I you know I still think that uh, this team's got a really good chance to win a bunch of games in a, in a short window. Hey Greg, we haven't talked about just how how good have you felt all year? I mean, you pitched in so many spots, but I just like 
health-wise, how, how good have you felt? I felt good. You know, it's uh, – you know, some people say we've only played 40 games or whatever, however many we played, 35. But um, it's still September, and we've been – We've been pushing pretty hard through that quarantine. I know everybody was uh, trying to be as close to mid-season form as we could be at the start. Um, that being said, though, I've, I've felt really good for the most part on a day-in, day-out basis. I'm recovering well. Um, and Mike and Cal have done an incredible job of checking in with me. You know, there's been a few times where they've, they've made me take a day off. There's been a few times where I said, listen, I, you know, I can pitch a day if, if you need me. Um, if it sets up that way. But I think that open communication uh, is really good. And, and, you know, this training staff here with Nick and KT and Blum and, and Deluge, I, I think is, you know, as good as it gets. Uh, so I credit a lot of, of my health personally over the course of my career to these guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy for stopping by and talking Royals. You'll see some of his stories in the show notes and all of his stuff on KansasCity.com. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, and it's still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Well, here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the e-edition. The details are at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.